welcome to another episode of The Greatest Pod, where we discuss and debate what makes something great. I'm Ed Greer. I'm Ron Swallow. And I'm producer Bill. And today, we are going to talk about the greatest movie, soundtracks. Every once in a while, a soundtrack makes a movie better. It outkicks its coverage, to use a sports metaphor that may be yes. lost on everybody. Yeah, yes. yeah. And it's part of the movie. We'll get into uh, needle drops and all the good stuff that really makes moments in movies. I think a lot of us of a certain age have sort of a bad taste in our mouth about soundtracks because we think back to like shitty 90s action movies that just take the most obvious like rock and pop tunes and put them underneath because they just somehow think it's going to elevate the movie. And it's like that is not necessarily what this conversation is going to be about. Right. I have a little bit of that. You know what I'm saying? Because like they used to make these movies like a high school high. When I was oh, a yeah. kid, they, they'd drop a thing, high school high with like John Lovitz and a bunch of 40-year-old black actors, but black don't crack. So they're all playing teenagers in this supposed send up of those goofy uh, Michelle Pfeiffer comes to the hood and teaches everybody movies. Oh, I hated those. And then they would have like these really shitty movies with really great soundtracks like New Jersey Drive. <laughs> really kind of a kind of a bad movie. But that soundtrack had some of the freshest songs ever. One of the freshest songs by Outkast ever, Bins or Beamers, was mm -hmm. on there. And we used to bump that soundtrack like it was fresh. Well, I'm even thinking like Coolio's Gangster's Paradise was like a major part of the soundtrack to one of those Michelle Pfeiffer movies. Yeah. Yes. Yep. Dangerous <laughs> Minds. Dangerous, dangerous Minds. minds. And actually, is. Dangerous Minds soundtrack is uh, like pretty good, if I, from what I remember. Uh, of course, I only remember like three of the songs, so maybe it's not that good. Yeah. It, so again, like that's not that's not to indict the entire idea of soundtracks because I think soundtracks have like a long and rich history in cinema. Mm -hmm. But you know, if you were around for movies in the '90s, you got pummeled with a lot of bad soundtracks because CDs were selling like hotcakes. So if you could put together a CD that had a halfway decent lineup on it, you can move units, baby. Going down to Sam Goody to get me a soundtrack. <laughs> Tower Records. Um, and that is where I went to buy uh, the Crow soundtrack. <laughs> I knew we'd get here eventually. This is what's going to warm me to this topic. Shit like this. Because like mm -hmm. that soundtrack really was an extension of the movie. It was the movie in this oral form. You could put that soundtrack on and like relive the movie over again. It also is like a really... Um appropriate lineup of bands of that era if you look at it we've got like rollins band we've got the cure we've got uh rage against the machine nine inch nails stone temple pilots violent femmes i mean come on people well it's curated it's yes. curated and compiled in an artistic way and i think that's the best thing about soundtracks when they are good like i said i just like the music to show up in the movie as well in the 90s we were treated to soundtracks full of stuff where the song didn't play in the movie like basically at all mm. but like i you know if we're going to talk about the greatest ones i'd say one of my stipulations is a, a lot of the music obviously has to be in the movie yeah you know? yeah and i'd say integral to the movie i mean one of the things with the crow is he's a musician himself you know like the the whole vibe of the movie is is driven by the soundtrack i think of a piece with the crow and only from a few years later is the matrix soundtrack which itself features a lot of the same well not a lot but some of the same artists and the Matrix soundtrack, obviously, Rage Against the Machines, Wake Up, plays over the end credits as he flies up into the sky. And that's like a very highly remembered moment. But like 
Dragula by Rob Zombie is on the Matrix soundtrack. Oh, yeah. You, you've got, uh, you've obviously got like some techno club type shit on there, but you've got Du Hast by Rammstein is on the Matrix soundtrack. Oh, oh, oh. oh that's wild. <laughs> some Marilyn Manson on there. It's interesting because both of those movies are so aesthetically similar that their soundtracks end up being somewhat similar and share the similar distinction of being like well curated music that really fits, you know, both the quality and the tone of the movie. And I remember when I was a kid, I only listened to like two types of music and it's ridiculous. For a while, I formed my whole persona and life around music that I liked. Yeah. You're not alone in that at all. And I think a lot of kids do that. And I think as we get older we're our, and our brains expand and we start listening to a, a variety of things. And Well, yeah, I was going to say just to your, to your point about music being able to influence your young mind. For us, soundtracks were kind of the TikTok of our day. Like it, it's often how you mm. discovered music, how you discovered styles of music, how it turned you on to new artists that maybe you never heard of. Like being on a soundtrack was also a really big deal for a lot of bands in the 80s and the 90s because it was, again, the, you know, the eight track, then the cassette and then the CD, like the music industry was so hot for those couple decades that like tying yourself to a movie was such a mutually beneficial thing for both the artist and the movie and both you know, uh, publishing companies, both the, the movie distributor and the, the music distributor. So like it was a huge deal that I think the the art of has kind of been lost in the modern era. So I, just before we talk about Batman 89, I do want to posit that like the art of the soundtrack isn't quite what it used to be. Now it's more about like choosing a trailer worthy song, like a single trailer worthy song, oh. letting that inform the audience about like, the tone and quality of your movie. But after that, it's like, you don't see these kind of curated playlists like you did back in, back in the day. You mean just like that sweet, sweet Snyder cut Leonard Cohen. Oh God. <laughs> Not in the Leonard Cohen version, by the way, because that would be absolute blasphemy, but oh, yes. you're right. It was Rufus Wainwright. Wasn't it? It was, it was, it was the fucking yeah. cover. Yeah. 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 Really? Oh wow! They, they didn't spring for the OG piece of crap. No, I'm just joking. Well, um, they didn't even um, spring. They didn't even spring for the uh, the most well known cover, which is kind of crazy. But yeah, anyway. Well, no. I, it, as far as uh, soundtracks being compiled, I do think we should talk about that first before '89, because the thing about '89 was it was. Well, maybe we talk about this. This is this is why. It is a singular thing because it was compiled by one person. It yeah. wasn't combing artists. It was, okay, this one person. And like we said, or maybe I've said on other things, uh, I just believe that that's what music sounds like in Batman's world. If you want to listen to some ragtime jazz, Prince did it. If you want to mm. listen to a fucking orchestra, Prince did it. If you want to listen to a little hip hoppy type of shit, like P-Funk type shit, Prince did it. That's just what it is. Yeah. I know I, I it's an interesting experiment that movie because I don't know of another movie that does that. You know what I mean? Like just creates its own sort of sonic reality through one artist in that way. Yeah. Um I know Black Panther tr tried to sort of attempt to do that with Kendrick uh, Lamar. Mm. Um for the first one, but you know, I don't feel like it also was exactly the same as Prince cuz 
It's also a little bit interesting that like, I think there's a difference between having an artist or a team of artists compose like a single song to sort of encapsulate your movie, which, you know, both Black Panther movies did extraordinarily well. Spider-Verse also comes to mind with another Kendrick Lamar uh, song. But that's so different than like Prince literally did the entire soundtrack to that Batman 89 movie. It's like multiple songs. I don't know how many of them, maybe all of them written specifically for the movie, but it's just like a, it's such a weird approach. Well, I think about stuff like the, the, uh, the shaft soundtrack, like the shaft theme song, like the song is the movie. It's telling you he's a private dick. He's got sex machine, all the chicks and he's the man. And you know, Shut your mouth. I'm just talking about Shaft. I have to use expletives to talk about how great this guy is. It just lays it right the fuck out. And it's a significant part of the soundtrack and Isaac Hayes and all that. Uh, that shit really stands out as like another one. And like when Quincy Jones would score something. The In the Heat of the Night soundtrack while you're mm. bullshitting is mm. fucking amazing. The score to it is amazing that he does, but also the, all of the songs that are diegetic and also on the soundtrack are really of their they're like a testament of the time i think that's a really cool thing about the compilation of soundtracks it is like we feel like we've lost the art of it because i think we're getting old and the artists that they pick don't tickle our fancy and definitely i do believe aren't arranged quite as good as back in the days but realistically back in the days you're just picking from like rage machine is hot but they're also this that you're trying to put forth so you pick them and you do a good job compiling them feels like a lot of the music now maybe to my old ears it just sort of i don't know who's being different i don't know if i was drafting for my my soundtrack how i could like say that these guys are more aggressive than those guys and these guys are more melodic than those guys i feel like there's a lot of sameness you know what's interesting though um you look at like nine inch nails which shows up on a lot of 90s soundtracks and trent Reznor, who's the front man of nine inch nails went on to become a a film composer like Trent Reznor has now done the soundtracks to several movies, many for David Fincher, starting with the social network. Mm-hmm. And I believe has won, certainly been nominated, but I think has won an Oscar at this point. And I mean, he started as the front man of nine inch nails and that, that pathway, Ludwig Goranson is another one. Like he was Donald Glover's beat maker as childish Gambino and he then went on to do the, the score for both Black Panther movies, um, again, nominated for an Oscar, if not having won one, and a ton mm-hmm. of other movies besides. So that pipeline of graduating from, like, you know, popular music to film composer is an interesting pipeline that I think, you know, speaks to a level of musicianship that maybe you don't find in a lot of pop acts or you find more behind the scenes of a lot of pop acts. Mm. Yeah. Like if the, like the black keys decided to like do scores for Southern fried, you know, action movies that go on Tubi or something, I don't know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, like, 100, or, or like grimy movies. Yeah. 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 I, and I, I just think that like, one of the things we were talking about before doing this episode, the, the difference between scores and soundtracks, you know, is a fairly big it is a fairly big difference and the idea of of doing the the all the music for an entire movie is such a different thing 
than even doing, you know, all the songs on an album. It, it just it just works differently. It's a different mentality. It's a different level of musicianship. It's different arrangements. I don't know, man. Music is like a little bit diff- difficult to talk about in this way without just like playing a bunch of little samples. But <laughs> yeah, well, it's it, well, okay. Well, let's just talk about another thing. Is like the breast the like I just want to bring up the Breakfast Club soundtrack. Okay. Um, uh, just because it's interesting, like the the one that stands out to me obviously is "Don't You Forget About Me," but there's a lot of songs in this that are like pretty great. Um, but nobody, but like that one is one of those things that is definitely of a time, right? I mean, it, it's all a, it's all obviously '80s songs. Everybody's this different '80s type, it, and it informs the whole movie. The again, this is one of those things where I feel like, especially when you're involving teenagers, it's like, okay, well, you got the jock, what does he listen to? You've got the nerd, what does he listen to? Which is too bad they didn't have a rush song in there because nerds they listen to rush <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you fuck up if you don't put a rush song in for a nerd. No, uh, yeah, I really feel like they they had to have an excuse for homeboy to do his famous black scent. But I think if he if he could have been a rush nerd and been air drumming like Neil Peart's whole parts yeah. and shit, and, be, and he and he's the one who broke the windows, <laughs> you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like that'd be fucking <laughs> sick. Like a little rewrite for, for Breakfast Club, but uh. I, I got to say, it's also about the nostalgia factor, right? There are people who are nostalgic for that era and think that that soundtrack is super fresh. I have a little twinge in it, but mostly just for that one song because how how it makes me feel in correlation with the movie. But like things like uh, the Boogie Nights and the Tarantinian uh, uh, Mm. things that we can talk about here with soundtracks, like with Boogie Nights in specific, it is in the Scorsese tradition of I'm going to pick songs of the era that have something to do with what's going on in the scene, even subtextually, like when uh, Magnet and Steel is playing, they're trying to come together and make this new enterprise and they're driving in the van. When uh, I got a brand new pair of roller skates, you got a brand new key is playing. They're talking about this. That whole song is about a chick who's like this dude. He got something. And we think we know what that is. He's got something. And I just skate around and I try to be around his house and i called his mom and she says he's he's not seeing anybody right now but i think i can see him through the window i just i got a brand new pair of roller skates and you got a brand new key and that's when brute dick dirt diggler's introducing his big dick energy into the whole enterprise it's just like that's masterful soundtracking to me yes you know what i'm saying like a, uh, mama told me not to come is yeah. playing when he goes to the fucking party the first time he gets introduced to that giant lifestyle you yeah. know what i mean that ain't the way yeah. to have fun son that ain't the way to have fun. So as he gets introduced to drug life and shit. By the well, way, um, uh, on our Patreon, guys, one of the things we've been doing, we're we're doing is we're starting to watch, uh, do watch alongs, and uh, we'll watch a movie in sort of mystery science theater three thousand, but more along the lines of probably being a little more positive and actually just talking about what what made us feel good or whatever while we're watching the movie. Um, and I think we one of the ones we're gonna have to do is Boogie Nights. So that um, you guys can make me like that movie. <laughs> I mean, I I don't know how you can't. So that's that's going to have to be our first task is just figuring that out. I, but uh, I think that well, the problem was that when I watched it, it was so relentlessly sad, and I was just not in a place to watch a movie about relentlessly sad things. 
And I think that that's what really fucked me up. I think if I watched it now where I have the idea of like, sometimes something is supposed to be relentlessly sad to teach you something and to, to get across what's, you know, a point in the movie. Now I can probably roll with that. But at the time I was like, ah, just fast forward to this big ass dick. <laughs> I mean, the movie's not relentlessly sad. It definitely gets to some dark places, but like the first half of the movie is fairly upbeat as long as you count, you know, being a porn superstar as something positive. <laughs> well, dude, but also, also, I just got to say here, relentlessly sad is goddamn Requiem for a Dream. Oh, yeah. Oh, that movie. That is relentlessly yes. sad. Is relentlessly sad. Boogie Nights in comparison to something like that is certainly not relentlessly sad. Um, I do believe, though, like I said, score-wise, that motherfucker is is doing it. The song that's playing when uh, uh, when one of the main characters shoots himself as we go into the oh. 80s. Oh, my God, dude. Just the breakdown, the breakdown as he's walking out to get the gun out of his car. It's, it's just breaking it down. It's just so fresh. The drummer's getting funky with it while this dude is getting this gun to go end his and other people's lives. And just the crescendo as the... as. Mm. It's fucking amazing. Shit is it's it's Scorsese esque. It's one of the Scorsese esque things about the movie. It isn't just how many camera moves he stole or, or whatever. It yeah. is that feeling, <laughs> that diegetic seventies into eighties feeling, and that the picking of songs. And we're not even going to talk about Sister Christian. Well, <laughs> I'm only going to talk about Sister Christian to say both that scene and the scene you just talked about show how the choice of music can take what would otherwise be a relentlessly bleak scene and put kind of an ironic level of enjoyment on top of it. Because both of those scenes, both the, the murder-suicide scene and the uh, <laughs> the ripping off the drug dealer scene mm -hmm. could have been scored with like, you know, Dark Knight Joker-style strings mm -hmm. to really ratchet up the tension. Mm -hmm. And it would have worked but it would have been an entirely different movie if they would have made that choice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's, you know, when, when soundtracks work best, they add like a level of complexity that the score just wouldn't be able to give the movie. It's like you, there's something viscerally, I don't even want to say disturbing, but there's something visceral about listening to like some upbeat or, or at least like, really um, triumphal ballad, you know, just music that you would otherwise associate with like a certain view of the era and like dirtying it with what you're seeing on screen. There's something cool about that. Well, I, I, and really, okay. You know, I like to say, sometimes I say one smart thing per episode. I think this is it. It is the juxtaposition that like you can get in a car wreck listening to walking on sunshine. Mm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. real life. Music will be playing when the worst fucking shit will be happening to you. And it doesn't match your mood because nobody's curating it. And it lends to the reality of certain scenes in movies, I think. That it juxtaposition lends to a certain reality. It's not always going to be scored correctly. It'll be scored the way we think it should be. And it, you know, it has that artistic flavor or whatever. I think just like uh, one of the ones that I know this will never get brought up in any other conversation. So please allow me to do it right now. We're going to do a watch along of Jackie Brown. And I'm yes. going to bring it up again when we do the walk along of Jackie Brown for the Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash the greatest pod. Uh, we already did Logan. So you can check that out on there. But when we do Jackie Brown, I'm going to bring this up again. 
when Samuel L. Jackson goes to a certain character's house to basically kill them, he puts them in the fucking trunk and he gets in the car and puts on his driving gloves and he grabs his gat and he puts it where he can get to it. And he fucking turns on the radio and Tennessee stud by Johnny cash, a live performance of Tennessee stud by Johnny Cash is playing. And the song goes, you know, it's just like, uh, he's just this guy. He's roaming across. He's like Conan of the old West. And his only pal through all these adventures he has is the Tennessee stud. The Tennessee stud was long and lean, the color of the sun and his eyes were green. He had the nerve and he had the blood that never was a hoss like the Tennessee stud. This is playing while the fucking car is going around the corner, going to an old abandoned park or construction site. And he opens the shit and pops and the the radio goes off and radio turns off and he he opens the door and he caps, he caps the guy. I just think it's just like, there's something beautiful about it. He like scored his own like murder thing. And he was listening to a song about a cowboy who does what he has to do. And it's informing of like how Odell Odell sees himself. He's a cowboy doing what he has to do. And I think shit like that is fresh. And that's why people blow Tarantino so much because song choices like that or hiring people who can make song choices like that is part of what makes that shit so fresh. I also think Tarantino has such a vast and sort of encyclopedic knowledge of music, you know, probably only rivaled by his knowledge of movies. The guy's just a pop culture savant that he always picks things that are absolutely right for the moment but in no way cliche, you know, it's like he's able to, he's able to, to grab even things that you've heard and you know, it's not like he's pulling songs out of, out of nowhere. Um, it's never quite what you would expect in the moment in which he uses it, but it always fits. And I think there is something kind of magical about that. where like, you just have to be someone who has good taste and broad knowledge of music. Like there's no other way to do that. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess Pulp Fiction is obviously a great example of that as well. I mean, just the whole that whole soundtrack is insane. I would agree with that. I mean, I think Tarantino's best soundtrack might be Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, like some of the needle some of the needle drops in that are just unbelievable. Now, to uh, uh, to those untrained with uh, you know the. The terms and stuff. What explain what a needle drop really is? I mean, a needle drop is just sort of, as far as I understand it, is just slang for like single instances of soundtrack songs in a movie. And I guess to define further, a soundtrack is distinctive from a score. A score is music written specifically for the movie, almost always without lyrics that is timed to the action on the screen. It's in service of the movie. A soundtrack is the assemblage of songs that are pre-existing or, you know, are lyrical songs that may have been written for the movie, but sort of stand on their own as pieces of pop music compiled in an album. So the score and the soundtrack are two distinct things. Some movies only have soundtracks. Some movies only have scores, but that's just to clear up the terminology. Right. And sometimes there is one or two songs that'll that'll go ahead and um they'll go across they'll they'll be used as score 
in mm. the movie, mm. but they will also be on the soundtrack. A key example would be uh, Axel F or whatever from uh, Beverly Hills Cop. Yes. It's yeah. used as score non-diegetically. It isn't coming out of any radio while he's creeping around the warehouse or something. They're like, do, 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 do. It is score, but it is a song that is on the soundtrack that is just a jam. It's still the jam. Oh there, there's a bunch of TikTok memes of people making, doing a Peter Griffin kind of doing a riff on that song. And then they put it over them with their dachshunds or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's still popular because it's just a great jam. We had a cassette tape of that when I was a kid. And I would just wear that thing out. It's it's <laughs> unbelievable to think that that is a song that exists separate from that movie because it's such a cinematic song. Mm-hmm. Like that that boppy peppy tone, like you just have to be sneaking around somewhere when you hear that music. You know the song I can't I can't hear without seeing stuff. Uh, there, and we can get into some of these. Is um yeah. oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, that's a good. Honestly, yeah. that whole Ferris Bueller soundtrack is pretty good. Mm-hmm. It really They've got is. Don Cashane in there, which is like such a weird esoteric choice, but it fits within that that whole parade scene. I mean, it's that's another '80s. It's funny, maybe it's just because of our ages, but like the '80s really were the time when like the soundtrack came of age. So a lot of these classic soundtracks are either '80s or '90s movies. Absolutely. And I just got one thing to say to you guys. You never close your eyes when I kiss (laughs) your lips. So Top Gun. (laughs) Top Gun is widely credited for the birth of the whole, you know, soundtrack as its own piece of merchandise trend. Mm -hmm. Because that movie put together the most ridiculous list of you know 80s power ballads and like adrenaline pumping music and it became a best-selling album it 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 reached number one on the u.s charts for five weeks in 86 the 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 soundtrack album for the movie top gun and the crazy part about that is you want to talk about how it doesn't ever and none of it ever seems cheesy I mean, looking back uh, on it, it yes, seems it cheesy. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, I mean, it doesn't seem out of place in the movie, I should say. Like, it feels like all the songs that are playing at the times that they're playing are the songs that should be playing at those times, if that makes any sense. Well, it 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 sets the tone for the movie. Like, that yeah. movie is over-the-top melodrama, and so are the songs. So yeah. the, the fact that you have a love scene to take my breath away, which is like just one of the most on the nose romantic power <laughs> ballads you could think of just sets the tone for the movie. Like there's no nuance here. We're not trying to like get you to think about anything. We're just trying to jab you right in the gut for your feelings. So danger zone plays when we're going into battle, take my breath away plays when we're having sex. Like that's the movie we're in, baby. Dude, and I think uh, Take My Breath Away won like an Oscar or something. Like, uh, it was a big fucking song. Uh, I think also uh, Danger Zone, I got to say, man, Danger Zone is movies. Mm-hmm. Danger Zone is movies. You know what I'm saying? And frankly, Footloose is movies while you're bullshitting. Oh. Like, I, I, that song is not as good as Danger Zone. Don't get it twisted. I think, but they are, in, they're both sort of complex. 
Like if you were to just listen to the instrumentation of each of those songs, there's a lot of 80s shit going on. Fucking drums that are like cha-cha, cha-cha, cha-cha. Like like weird like Terminator drums coming into this shit. Like they really embrace the fact that like, no, yes, this song is a sped up blade made of metal going into (laughs) your fucking ears. Deal with it. You know what I'm saying? That's what the it, it wasn't. There's nothing organic about those songs, really. You know what I'm saying? They're you know, especially a danger zone. Well, I th- I think the same way uh, about what's the one that she dumps the water on her in Flashdance? Is that is it what a feeling? Uh, what uh, a, what, a maniac. Oh yeah, yeah that's man- in there. But I'm maniac. A maniac. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and then she does the running. Oh yeah, with the leg warmers. Oh man, come on, dude. So good. Woo! Gotta take a cold shower. <laughs> this this should just be called uh, the the greatest '80s movie soundtracks of all time because that's really where we're at here. Well, I mean, there's a ton of great things, and it, but what I also find interesting is is how things can go bad. So, like, take the first Ghostbusters movie. Um, it's like pretty great. It's got some. It's got some good soundtrack and some good sounds on it, dude. Bustin makes me feel good, first of all. Yeah. But the- <laughs> <laughs> Ghostbusters alone is a kind of fine song that they wrote. That's that song was a number one song, man. That yeah. song was like huge. Yeah, don't play Ray Parker Jr. <laughs> and then what did we have in Ghostbusters 2? I don't know. Uh, that that Bobby Brown play? song. The Bobby Brown song. Oh. Well, that's not necessarily a bad thing at the time. No, it was bad. Okay. <laughs> it was bad in the movie. It was bad. It hey was man, a bad song. they called the Ghostbusters in the end control. control. <laughs> throw a throw a crazy party for a bunch of children. It yeah, was it was bad. Um, and speaking of, it wasn't quite go ninja go ninja go. Was it? I was about to say <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The original has some like okay, like Turtle Rhapsodies, Turtle Power. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Turtle Power. Dude, is so that, cheesy and so great for that fucking, movie. It explains the entire plot of the movie in early 90s rap form. I mean, it's come perfect. on. It's fucking perfect. I'm sorry, it's perfect. But Ninja Rap is one of the dumbest songs that has ever happened. I abdicate. I, like, I, I have to. What do they do in the Supreme Court when they, they can't rule on something? <laughs> uh, abstain or I something? I abstain. <laughs> Yeah, whatever it is, I have Did to recuse myself. I have to recuse yeah, myself recuse. because some of my most formative childhood memories are absolutely jamming to Vanilla White's Ninja Rap. Vanilla That's White, awesome. Vanilla Ice is Ninja Rap. Uh, Vanilla White's That's fine. A, Vanilla That's White's a Freudian fine. slip. That's a Freudian slip if I ever heard one. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Ah, shit. Ah, well, if we get if we get out of the eighties for one second. The fucking Hustle and Flow soundtrack is the shit. It is the shit. Hard Out Here for a Pimp is one of the best fucking songs, period. I'm sorry. Like, it's it's exactly what it is. It says exactly what it's trying to tell you. It goes exactly with the movie. It's a plot point. You know what I'm saying? Him creating that song is a plot point in the movie. And it's a jam on the soundtrack. And it won an Oscar, too, I think. Well, I, there's something to be said, too, for the guys who put these soundtracks together, like the music supervisors in these movies. And I don't know. I'm looking up right now, but I think that they had like they had legit 
Hip-hop oh yeah, uh, three three six mafia basically uh, was there over that oversaw the the songs and the creation of some of the songs inside. And this guy named Al Capone wrote uh, "Whoop That Trick," which uh, <laughs> is is another key plot point in the in the movie. They're like jamming, they're like boom, 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 and they're like, yeah, let me spit this shit I wrote on a cigarette pack. Hold up. I don't go through so many things in these streets. And they just start, he just starts rapping and it just becomes whoop that trick. Get him, whoop that trick. That and, song and goes Terrence so hard, Howard, dude. It goes hard as it fuck. It goes so hard. It really does. <laughs> oh. I'm looking this up. John Singleton was involved in the uh, in the soundtrack. Or at least oh, wow. he was a producer on the movie. I don't uh, Yeah, yeah. He's a producer on the movie, and you yeah. I think you automatically get credit because you're just yeah, like, Yeah, I, I told you. <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, uh, he he uh, rest in peace. But he was on Snowfall, uh, and and made that a cultural phenomenon. And now they're going into their final season. I think of the fifth season, which is like amazing. Now that they're shutting everything down after one or three. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's the sixth season, if I'm not mistaken. And oh, yeah, yeah, I mean that. I, I it's supposed to be fantastic. I I have not watched it myself. I Speaking. went on a binge and I watched the fuck out of it. It's really good. It runs into a little bit of that uh, Walking Dead shit, where it's just like. There'll be a tiger every now and again because they got to have some kind of weird adventure that isn't on the main plot. But a lot of that CIA kind of the CIA being the guy who sells the dough to the rival pizza shops. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter. All y'all motherfuckers want to sell all these pizzas and kill each other over the right to sell pizzas on blocks. I'm big bread. I'm going to get paid regardless. The CIA being that is just kind of magical in the show. And it's really enthralling. That's awesome. Yeah, I need to watch that. That sounds very interesting. You know what else has a great soundtrack uh, Mm. and is a TV show and went for 15 seasons? Supernatural. Ha ha! I gotcha. Yeah. You haven't done a supernatural gotcha. You haven't Rick rolled us with those two. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, they really did have a great soundtrack, and Kansas would play at like all of their all of the supernatural conventions. You know, that's so funny because that's such a relic of like the early 2000s. That was sort of the pre-TikTok way to drop like hot new songs. I remember like bands would premiere songs on like the OC, Grey's Anatomy. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy the Vampire. I I mean, I know even Smallville had like, they were constantly pulling up these like really hot needle drops of like. I do when Superman first flies and he takes Lana Lang up into the sky. It's like, with the arms wide open, (laughs) I'm a flower. That would be, did that actually happen? That would be hilarious. but it sounds right. (laughs) It sounds about right. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, One I want to bring up is um, the Big Lebowski soundtrack. Oh, nice. So I think the Big Lebowski soundtrack, I mean, it wins for just like the three songs that everybody uh, I think would immediately think of. What, you know, what condition my condition is in that plays over Mm -hmm. the dream sequence. uh, Rolling along like a magical tumbleweed, which opens the movie. And then that Bob Dylan track, uh, the first time he gets knocked out, The Man in Me. But I mean, the, that soundtrack is good across the board. Oh, brother, where art thou? Also had another one of those written for the movie, turns out to be like a number one hit, almost revived interest in bluegrass for like a summer in the United States. Um, that Man of Constant Sorrow that they did for uh, Oh, Brother, Where mm. Art Thou? Which is actually a phenomenal song. Like it's it's just very well-made music. Well, so, okay. What are some songs that bring out, because Ed mentioned one, like you hear the song, that scene pops into your head just off the top of my head. 
you're the best around. No one's ever gonna take you down. A song that is not a good song, to be clear. Uh, look, man, you obviously haven't been on like your fifth set uh, <laughs> on the fucking bench press trying to power through <laughs> and looked at your Spotify playlist and saw that beautiful gym right on there. You obviously haven't done that. So, Ron, I hear you got a dope ass album coming out. Dude, I'm so excited. Uh, all of you guys out there listening right now, if uh, you're listening and it's past March 6th, my album, which is called On the Wing of a Dragon, which, by the way, Ed drew the sickest dragon with me standing on it looking cool as shit. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm telling jokes on on the wing of a dragon. It's it's. I'm really excited about this album. Ed knows that I've worked really hard. We're talking 20 years culmination of material weaving through the whole thing is a bunch of different callbacks and personal stuff a ton of nerdy stuff it's available for pre-sale right now on most of your apps spotify is having some kind of issue so there's gonna be delay on spotify but if you use apple music uh pandora google music whatever it is where you get albums and stuff like that uh, you can buy my album on the wing of a dragon, Ron Swallow. Please. Uh, I'm glad Redland Records picked you up. And uh, I'm I'm glad that we're going to all see the culmination of your efforts. And I can't wait to do the art for uh, album number two after this one sells a billion copy. And thank you guys, as always, for supporting us. Uh, a lot of the stuff we get to do is because of your support. So we truly appreciate it. Yep, Eye of the Tiger. It's interesting how some of these songs will bring out, like, what, you know, running up the stairs. Like, <laughs> dude, on some real shit, though, I mean, I think we need to take a real, a real time out to appreciate Rocky. Rocky's all over the place, even in the score, and even in the score arena, oh, Rocky's oh knocking God. fools the fuck out. But probably like a top fiver in score. Oh, of all time. on score, come on, man. Yeah, yeah. But like when we get into shit like Rocky Three, and they start being like, "We're gonna do diegetic stuff. We're gonna do these songs. We're gonna do music videos to popular music of the day." You can't beat that shit, man. I'm sorry. We, I, we you are, you're right. We are. This is the greatest probably soundtracks of the '80s uh, in aggregate. But yeah. dude, there's no easy way out when he's driving his fucking Ferrari all over the city, trying to 100%. get the, trying to make the voices stop in his head about all all the consternation he's going through. And he's just, there's no easy way out. And that song's about a relationship. But in the in the movies, reality, it's about like you can't choose to not face your fate you got to fight what you fear and all that shit yeah so that was in rocky four which is also notable james brown wrote living in america for rocky four. Oh shit i mean that shit's crazy because that song is awesome it <laughs> like is. that is a fantastic song he he wrote that for rocky four Living in America is amazing. It is a meme. It will never fucking die. Uh, I, I, sit that to sit day. All, all that shit. Yes. But dude, Eye of the Fucking Tiger. I mean, yeah. Is one of the best songs of all time. I don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'll put that up against anything Rush ever did, the goddamn Beatles, anybody. Sometimes the divine gods of rock come down and they bless your guitars and your voice in that moment and you do something way greater than your band could ever think about doing and it's embodied in you in that one moment and you are that you are the best band of all time for one second and survivor 
and Eye of the Tiger got, they pulled the sword from the stone and they held it aloft for a moment. That shit is amazing. Yeah, I, it is. I, I can't, I can't disagree. I legitimately won a rollerblading competition choosing that song, Eye of the Tiger. I skated to Eye of the Tiger on a half pipe. Uh, and I, <laughs> Dude, it fills you with power. It that really song, does. If that song doesn't fill you with power, your soul is dead. It just fills your body up with power. You can you can do anything while that thing is playing. It's 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 a real. I'm t- I'm putting it on my list now for my for my workout list. You know what's interesting too? I, I love that uh, one of the things you said earlier, Ed, was that sometimes it's great when a song is like doing the opposite of of, of what's happening. You know, like for instance, for, for in my life, uh, there was many times when I was listening to Limp Bizkit, Chocolate Starfish. And I have really had good times. Like it was like there's like really good memories tied to that terrible album that I listened to over and over again. I just think about how crazy that is every once in a while. And like part of the soundtrack of my life would have been me listening to that while playing Suikoden uh, and Final Fantasy VII. What the fuck? <laughs> and drinking a Mountain Dew. Uh, well, possibly. It's very entirely possible. Maybe a code a code red for the evening. I'll, I'll choose the the warm red. No, and but unironically dude. enjoying it. <laughs> I'm ashamed of it now because when you go back and listen to that, I'm like, did I really like that? Well, that was the break stuff music of its day, though. Don't be mad at yourself for identifying with that. You were you were preyed upon. I took it out. It'd be like one of those like those uh, when you get mesothelioma or some shit like those numbers <laughs> on the television you call up where you <laughs> where you turned into a toxic male for a time by Lip Biscuit music. You may be owed a couple of <laughs> a couple of Butterfinger bars. <laughs> hey, listen, man. I you know what? At the time, I jammed out to some Limp Biscuit as well, some Kid Rock. Like it was all it was all happening. Some corn okay i still t- like t- corn i'm gonna no, i'm not gonna lie to you oh my god oh my god okay i have an intensity to reblackify this podcast right now Please, i used to okay. listen to Ab- above the rim the above the rim Ooh. soundtrack for i mean up to, and just one highlight that everybody would know off of there is of course regulate by uh warren g and nate dog that fucking shit we regulate any stealing of his property <laughs> <laughs> dude when that song plays man regulate makes you feel like a g too oh regulate makes you feel like you're floating on air by the way that that was the song that we would listen to in the white suburbs to feel hood like when <laughs> yeah. i was growing up like <laughs> regulators is is one of the classics of the early 90s like that dude. song rips and the funny thing is, it's built on this Michael McDonald. So, like, young white kids seeking to blackify by there listening to Michael McDonald music. It's just this weird loop. It's like a t- <laughs> what's it? Times a flat circle. <laughs> music tastes are a flat circle. Did I mean, we that's actually re- that just solve true. racism with regulate. <laughs> <laughs> well, if that was the case, then uh, Warren G and Nate Dog would have solved it. You know, 20, 30 years ago. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A bunch of white boys drinking four locos, sixteen in the clip and one in the hole. <laughs> Nate, Nate Dog's about to make some bodies turn cold. I mean, come on. <laughs> oh shit! Oh, I'm so glad we did this. <laughs> oh, you know, one of the ones I couldn't tell you the name of the song, but the song that plays when Blade fucking comes out of that uh, blood pit in blade two and he just oh, yeah and he just goes ape shit there's some techno song that like 
again, it, I, it probably has some name that I wouldn't even recognize if you told me, but the song itself is just synonymous with that moment. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, just like in goddamn uh, Mortal Kombat, the Mortal oh. Kombat theme. So, da -da 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 Mortal Kombat. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> oh, shit. That gets you hyped. That Put that on a workout list, so too. Hyped. That gets you so hyped. <laughs> Dude, I'm going like to get revisiting my childhood in this. <laughs> I'm going to get so buff in my old age listening to fucking Mortal Kombat Survivor. <laughs> it's literally called Blood Rave Techno. Blood, <laughs> blood, blood Bath Mix. Oh. Blood Bath Mix. That's sick. Maybe that was written for the movie then. That's, uh, that's so. kind of amazing. <laughs> you said written. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. That was experimented into existence for the movie. That's... Oh, shit. Oh, oh but uh, dude, we can't ignore stuff like uh, the Lion King soundtrack, guys. Mm. I mean that thing murdered. Yeah. I mean that's that's an interesting one because I, all those uh, '90s animated Disney movies would get like amazing pop song songwriters and musicians to do like their their key songs, and that Elton John Tim Rice combo on The Lion King was maybe like the apotheosis of that approach. Mm -hmm. Well, and, and let's ask. Let me ask you this, guys. Um, I mean, I think that counts as a musical, right? Does does that movie count as a musical? I think so because it's all original music, like composed for the movie. Which begs the question: Does Batman '89 count as a musical? <laughs> oh shit! No. <laughs> no, I think the characters Batman, would have to sing. Dude, ba it's Batman '89 and Grease, best yeah. musicals of all time. Yeah. Hey, by the way, Grease is another one. Uh, that Killer. music, that music's good. Olivia yeah. Newton-John, you fucking kidding me? Yeah, yeah. It's just you know, I got a couple of those fifties yeah, lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> it does. It does have a few of those. Not so great. Not so great. Um, uh, but uh, oh, one thing I just want to underscore, so we could just say this last, well, one of the last old ass ones for people older than us. That motherfucking big chill soundtrack ripped mm. their heads off, dude. Mm. And what fun fact. Those songs are only like in the continuity of the movie. They're between like eleven and fifteen years old. They're not even that old to be like us reminiscing over Lip Biscuits or or goddamn <laughs> that that fucker talk about somebody that I used to know. Like Gautier. yeah, we're having some kind of heart wrenching middle aged, uh, you know, tete a tete with all of our old friends from college while that's playing and chocolate starfish and you know what I'm saying, some a little porter's head maybe or something. You know what I'm saying? It's just, you know what I mean? That's just really funny to me. There are a couple of Adam Sound Sandler soundtracks that I legitimately bought. I liked the Wedding Singer soundtrack. The Wedding Singer is interesting because it is like a very curated selection of '80s tunes. Oh, and it has dude. this one original song where he <laughs> where he's singing. That's the half love song, half uh, hate song. Basically, he sings this nice like when I. See you, my heart skips a beat, but it was all bullshit. <laughs> it was just a goddamn joke, you know. I just it was just like it made me laugh every fucking time, and I would listen to that like <laughs> on my Walkman wandering around the complex, avoiding my family. 
So, <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> oh, dude, that's that's one thing that these songs do is they take you they take you to a specific time. Yeah, I remember rolling around listening to Goddamn Doctor Dre. That ding ding dong, ring the ding ding ding, 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 ding dong. Keep, keep your head ringing. That song is awful. What is that from? That song is so fucking bad. Was that on the Friday soundtrack? Yes. Yep. (laughs) That Friday soundtrack is no joke, though, in terms of like time capsule of a time period. Like that was rap in 1993 or whenever it was that it came out. Oh, shit. 95. I just looked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. I mean, that shit. the the those soundtracks are are the shit. They have a lot of damn dude, fucking ding ding dong. I listen <laughs> to that so much more than any of the good shit on there. I, mm-hmm. It was so crazy. Um, but I also wanted to say, uh, take us back to the eighties once again. Dirty Dancing, dog. Oh, we we can't we can't neglect the the raw power of of dude when they play that dumbass. Uh, time of my life dude white girls everywhere white girls everywhere just want boyfriends to lift them into the air when they hear that shit dude that'll get them it ain't happening (laughs) that'll get some motherfuckers in the gym (laughs) i got a bad elbow (laughs) i mean look as long as we're talking uh patrick swayze needle drops unchained melody and ghost is another one just an all-time Damn. Just yeah. imagine that movie without that song. Right. You know what I'm saying? Just like it, fucking the, the she's making the clay pots and shit. Mm-hmm. Oh and, man. Yeah, that that is that movie. I'm trying to think of other ones like that. Well, it's interesting. Like, have, did you guys ever watch Gross Point Blank? I saw that, yeah. With John Oh yeah. John, John Cusack. And yeah, Driver, that had a great soundtrack. And Mini yeah, Driver. Mini Driver. That soundtrack mm-hmm. was fucking awesome. And there's some real great fight scenes in there that don't go with the song. And, and yeah. that's always fun. And I yeah. really enjoyed that. So one of the all-time greatest examples of that is in the movie Dirty Work, where it's diegetic. <laughs> and Chris Farley, you know, plays possibly the most coked up version of himself in that movie. And there's a bar fight that's about to go down. And they're like, I forget his name in the movie, but they're like, Benny, put on some fighting music. And he's at the jukebox and he's like, oh, yeah, street fighting man, G7. And somebody goes, you just hit G8. And the Pina Colada song comes on. They have a a brawl in the bar. Oh, my God. Oh, shit. That's good. Oh, speaking of that song. And oh. moving to more modern times, but with old people songs, Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, but it's like I'm so loath to give it uh, credit because it just – see, it's weird. Maybe this is the generational thing, right? Like if that movie would have come out in the 90s, that would have been a best-selling album. And because that movie came out in like 2014, it's just like, James Gunn, you're just trying to make us wistful for the 90s. Stop it. Yeah. Well, I mean, in that in that case, the the eighties because of all the jams, but like, I know, like but like, but just like the, the approach, yeah, the, the nostalgia of someone in the nineties listening to eighties music, like it's yep. it's it's almost current, but not. Yeah, I totally get that. And but like, I don't know, man. 
the the usage of cherry bomb i particularly loved so <laughs> and good. they're when oh, they're yeah. put, getting get their shit loked up they're just getting loked up for bear the cherry bombs plant love that i kind of love rubber band man i think that's in this that's actually in uh, uh infinity war oh yeah you're yeah. right yeah. yes yeah that shit that usage of rubber band man was pretty fucking fresh i gotta say because it just sets the tone of like that's their crew they just chill out listening to jams all day and then when the radar pings, they're ready to go into action. You know what I mean? One of the ones that stands out to me is in volume two, they use uh, David Bowie's Starman when uh, when Star-Lord is first exploring Ego's planet. And it's like, there's a star man waiting in the sky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, there's, yeah. there's phenomenal choices on those albums. And I, I think it's just, there's something about like marketing it so heavily just kind of put a bad taste in my mouth but you can't you can't deny that like there's some jams on there absolutely oh speaking of 90s musicals this popped into my head too moulin rouge do you remember i mean that that is peak like soundtrack fever right there yeah yeah when that fucking Lil kib and christina aguilera oh, and oh. fucking mary j blige and jesus and everybody all in one song <laughs> uh-huh. don't you disrespect maya like that come on <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh shit <laughs> hey maya maya is a built built lady she's oh, maya, uh, maya she's, can get it yeah so one that i think is maybe a perfect example of a movie that's not necessarily terrible putting together a soundtrack full of bangers, but it just being so on the nose that it, it kind of becomes underwhelming is the remember the Titans soundtrack. Mm. And that movie is that soundtrack is like wall to wall, just absolute hits from the seventies. I'm just going to go down the list here. And I remember this one in particular because we had this coach that used to play it in the locker room all the time when I was in high school <laughs> to the point where like I got sick of it. But the music is so good. It's undeniable. Ain't No Mountain High Enough, Spirit in the Sky, Peace Train, Na 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 Na, Hey 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 Goodbye, Long Cool Woman in a Black Dress, I Want to Take You Higher, Up Around the Bend, Spill the Wine, Hard Rains Are Gonna Fall, and then Express Yourself. Those are nothing but like absolute chart toppers. Disney must have put down millions just for the soundtrack of this movie. And yet it all feels a little bit cynical because it's like, oh, you just now are trying to put together a great soundtrack so you could sell the soundtrack and really try to buy some goodwill for your movie with all these songs that everybody remembers so fondly. Maybe we should go lighter on the um, the soundtracks Queen of the Damned. Do you guys remember <laughs> that one? I want to just uh, read you. I, I know this, this is not normal thing we do, but I just want to read you some of the, the performers, shall we say. Uh, Wayne Static of Static X. David Drammon of Disturbed. Chester Bennington of Lincoln Park. It does have a dope-ass Deftone song. Marilyn Manson, Papa Roach, Godhead, Orgy, More Disturbed, Kidney Thieves. Tricky with Alanis Morissette and Dry Cell and more Static X, but you do get the Aaliyah song. <gasps> she was in that movie, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah, she was, she yeah, was yeah. the she was the Queen of the Damned. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that, no, I mean that's that's funny. Number one, because one of these things is not like the other with Aaliyah and all those like hardcore metal bands, yeah. which is oh, actually. Strange. I just read that 
that song that she wanted to record never got recorded. She wanted oh. to record a soundtrack part of the soundtrack, but it didn't match apparently. So there you go. <laughs> you, you don't say. <laughs> she's, she's like the, the the evil vampire. Like, I'm into you. You're into me. I bite your neck so easily. And they're like. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a great example of, again, just cynically being like, hey, let's do that thing that The Crow and The Matrix did. Exactly. Let's just load up our soundtrack with fucking like metal and new metal bands and just, you know, apply, you know, try to appeal to all those fucking metalheads and punks out there. It wasn't 2002. So speaking of punk, I'm sorry. I've got to bring this up. SLC Punk. What? Yeah, it's, it's a movie. It had Matthew Lillard in it. And he oh, played I... a punk with like a blue mohawk, and uh, it had a lot of punk songs that you probably wouldn't know because you were like lifting weights and throwing footballs and shit. So what? <laughs> what? Uh, what? What are the bands? What are the bands, Ron? I mean, it's got the Adolescents, Stooges. It does have some Blondie in there. The Exploited. It's got Dead Kennedys. Uh, the Suicide Machines. I think. I think we got to try to get to the great. The greatest. Of all time, and I think it's more. It comes down to like really. Uh, to me, it's almost like a list of filmmakers who really use music the best, in our opinion. Because I think I think Scorsese's use of all those songs, man, he doesn't. He never gets super corny. Like he wouldn't. He if he plays some like super just so Italian song, it'll be the G seven on the jukebox instead of the B one you know what i mean he 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 picks them really well and like he playing working in the coal mine uh which is a really great little song like two minutes 19 seconds about and it's just a song about working in a coal mine and how you anything anything you buy on the job site goes back to your employer so you end up owing more money than you get and all this different shit and like about these like really set upon people while these guys are counting money in a casino like uh knights in white satin is playing i think when his when ginger is calling her pimp boyfriend mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying this oh. this soaring giant beautiful ballad is playing while while his while she's on the phone with this degenerate behind ace rostein's back you know what i mean like the use of music is a big fucking deal and these it's not just a compilation of these songs you could just put play on your spotify list it's they How mean it's something used. in the movie yeah. yes agreed Agreed. I mean, I do think Casino qualifies as at least being in the running for best of all time. Like, dude, it's up there. That soundtrack yep. is fucking awesome. It is. It is amazing. Yeah, I think uh, Batman 89 uh, definitely has to be in there for me. But that's just because it literally it changes the whole movie for me. It makes it better. But OK, if we're making a bracket, though, we're going like uh, Bat- Batman 89 versus Pulp Fiction versus Oof. something. You know what I mean? Like these ones where it's just like they make the movie, the songs are in the movie and make a lot of the the attitude of the characters is established by the listener of the Jungle Boogie. Uh, open, you know, t- turning off surf music to listen to Jungle Bo- Boogie is the personality of that movie to a certain degree or, yeah. or those characters, at least 100 percent. Um, I mean, I, I, we already talked about it, but I think Boogie Nights has to be in the running as well. Uh, Ooh, I mean, I think so, but like Ron might have the anti-sadness vote. It's, it's like, but like, cause like, I, mean, what I do I, believe what it I remember it's a really good soundtrack. Um, and I think you guys are missing out on one really important soundtrack and that's Rockstar. So dude, we didn't say the most important. I think this soundtrack is, I think the reason why we did all those is to show you that this soundtrack right here 
comes through swinging its dick and is up there with any of them. And it's another Prince joint, Purple Rain. Oh, shit. Purple Rain. Jesus. Has yeah. some of the illest fucking, Let's Go Crazy is a fucking amazing song. Yeah. It's, it's a hype jam. Yeah. I do want to mention this because it is the thing that made me think about it. I do want to mention the singles soundtrack. This is a, I, Ron, you're bringing up some really uh, esoteric stuff. I don't know the movie singles. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's got Ben Stiller in it and Janine Garofalo and Winona Ryder and stuff. It it was a very of the moment soundtrack from what I super remember. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm aware of the movie, but I just I just looked up the soundtrack and this this is a ridiculous soundtrack. It's um, especially for capturing yeah capturing that moment in time. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. That's why Chris wanna... Cornell is on. Chris Cornell is on here on that single soundtrack, and he's another one that's gone on to do a ton of uh, music for movies. Yeah, that James Bond theme was a kind of an all timer. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to bring it up. I don't think it's in competition for one of the greatest. I just wanted to mention it because it is the one that made me think of even doing this episode because it's one of those soundtracks that like a bunch of bands that. I listened to, I listened to because I saw that fucking movie. Yeah, what about uh, the Captain EO soundtrack? Okay, how about Moonwalker? He made a movie uh, out of that. Uh, oh, <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> hey man, if it counts, Smooth Criminal on it, man. Come on, man. Yeah, smooth man, Criminal. Yeah, <laughs> uh, smooth, smooth Criminal. Smooth Criminal is fantastic. <laughs> it's one of the. It's one of the best songs. You um, know what? Here's an yeah, interesting question. Here's an interesting yeah. question, though, as we consider the greatest of all time. Does the movie itself have to be one of the greatest of all time to qualify? Because if we're talking about the music's relationship to the movie, if you're going to be the greatest of all time, you almost need the movie itself to be transcendent. Well, I'm just I'm just mad that like I I'm I don't want to sound like a stand, but in this particular category, the fact that like Tarantino only can come up like one time is wild because like, dude, stuck in the middle with you. Oh playing while he's sawing a person's ear off fucking yeah. uh that the, the fucking it and and just somebody uh across 110th street while you watch fucking oh. pam greer's beautiful ass get we're gonna talk- down the, to the tarmac come on man yeah we're gonna talk about that when we do our jackie brown watch oh movie. it's beautiful stuff oh my talk god about. i mean i hate to be 90s ish or whatever again but i think we forgot one train spotting hmm I mean, train spotting has a lot of good uh, uh, jams on it, but like when you go to like train spotting, there's uh, you, you open yourself to Days of Confused and Almost Famous and all mm-hmm. these different. I guess you know, that's a good point. All, all this shit where it's just like, I get it. I do Clueless singles mm-hmm. shit like that drive had an amazing soundtrack you know what i'm saying oh, like like we didn't talk about superfly at all you know what i'm saying like fuck <laughs> we it. also and didn't it's not, talk about know. do the right thing we didn't talk about do the right thing at all it do do the right thing is fucking up there dude it Fight is the power huge. plan are you to start the fucking me? movie you know what yeah. i'm saying and that's just how hot uh, it, the music reflected how hot the streets felt like mm-hmm. yeah, literally and figuratively uh, dude, yeah, that's that's a really big one, man. The, the fucking, uh, this is a this is a really rough one. This is this is really really, really hard. hard. And that, but that's and why we mentioned all the great ones. See, it's like trying to get to what's really great, trying to push the cream to the top. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, and I just do I do want to mention one that might be weird, but maybe again, this is one of those nineties things for me. Uh I like Goodwill Hunting soundtrack a lot because it has a bunch of Elliot Smith, who is like really just an interesting artist. Um, but I don't think it counts as greatest soundtracks. I just want to bring it up, but it doesn't count as greatest. They gotta bring up swingers with the fucking the the zoot zoot no. riot guys. I, I do love swingers. <laughs> Cherry poppin' daddies. Hey <laughs> poppin' daddies. Uh, they'd be Here's canceled one. for their name right now. <laughs> You're poppin' okay. cherries. How old are these people? <laughs> zoot zoot riot. The mask. Okay, the mask. The- no. Um, so. What about Forrest Gump? That hits me in where Bill was talking about this venal grab okay. bag of the Fair. time things, not necessarily even with art. I was kind of going to say the same thing. Like, that feels like another one of those cynical, like, we're going to make people feel by just cherry picking, like, some of the most iconic songs from this time period. It's not, it's not, the movie doesn't elevate the music. The music elevates the movie. If I never hear Fortunate Son by fucking Creators Clearwater Revival ever Fair. again, and you know, when they're just established that we're in when in the NAM. That's what it's I like, mean. Oh Jesus. You get you yeah, you get Fortunate Son as we boom down to the jungles of Vietnam. You get running against the wind as he's running across the United States. Right. I mean, it's just it's just you get you get Bob Dylan songs, you know, at the Vietnam protest at the Washington Monument. Like, mm-hmm. it's just the most on the nose bullshit. And like, while those are great songs, yeah. again, it doesn't feel like it's a great feat to have compiled those songs for that movie. Yeah, especially because that was just the time he was alive in anyway. So they were playing those songs. Yeah. Well, it's not even just that. It's just like picking, like I said, A1, B1 off the jukebox rather than having to scroll down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? That's the whole thing about yeah. why Boogie Nights and the the, the fucking uh, t- Tarantinian songs. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't necessarily just pick the top, top shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, fuck it. Oh, oh talk about a great soundtrack. I got to mention this one. I just watched it. Christine has a great soundtrack. Because oh, yeah? the soundtrack is a personality of the car. The mm. car can't talk. So when, like, motherfuckers try to break into the car, little Richard come on. You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. You keep on knocking, but you can't come in. Woo. See, that's an interesting use of music. Yeah, I feel You know that. what I'm saying? And the that's fucking, cool. the, the, the car is the, the, the car won't start for the character. And it'll be like, come on, baby. I just dropped Cheryl Land off. But you know I love you the most. And then the fucking car will, will like reluctantly start and it'll say, don't know why I love you, love you like I do. It's like, it's great. That is great good. use of music. <laughs> so, funny. Um, and then the other one I want to bring up is Saturday Night Fever. Ooh, that's another one that's like very of its time. But Saturday Night Fever, I think, is very notable both for like how it how it elevated the BG. The BGs were huge, but also like that movie sort of put them over the top. And that movie does sort of capture an authenticity of like that 70s nightclub culture that I think stands up. That's yeah. that's not a bad choice. You know what's fucking crazy about that though? Like the the way that that represents the 70s and the nightlife of the 70s and just capturing that moment of this this falsetto moment in time, right? 
that was a falsetto moment in time the 70s your hair is high your collar's high everything's fucking high your shoulder pads are kind of getting high because we're going to head into the 80s where the shoulder pads get massive right? but there's like a Sinkevich drawing uh fuck it or like Rob Norman Brayfogel drew Batman's cape type shit <laughs> you know what I'm saying like like it, it gets it gets really weird around that time in the exact same way that feeling in your chest that that gives those people who like live through that that's how you got the touch makes me feel you got the touch off of the transformer soundtrack dude all i see is my man optimus he's fucking rolling up the hill and then he transforms in the midair and he starts capping motherfuckers (laughs) oh my god it's just so powerful dude it really is it's also a terrible song it's the best song ever. You shut the fuck up. I will dig you a shallow grave behind your house. <laughs> Talking shit about my you man Stan working Bush. Out. Gonna, it's going to be a deep, it's gonna be a deep <laughs> grave. Uh, but no, sincerely, my man Stan Bush. It's an amazing song. And it's, it's, it is that time. It's that time in a nutshell in the, in the same way as some of the other songs we were talking about. And uh, oh, and it's it just like uh, in other eighty stuff, like the Fort Ferris Bueller we talked about. You can't help but see the scene that it's attached to. Yeah. Well, and I do want to bring up one other one before we do the actual what is the greatest, and I think it's important because it is actually, and this is still true, the best selling soundtrack of all time, and that's the Bodyguard with Whitney mm. Houston doing all of the <sighs> songs. I mean, you. <laughs> I mean, it ain't necessarily for our supposed demographic, but I would say "I Will Always Love You" is one of the, right. is probably the biggest song ever, pound for pound. Unbelievable, Un- yeah. absolutely unbelievable. And yeah. there's just a bunch of great songs on that soundtrack. Period. Like that, she, I think she did almost all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, I have nothing. I'm every woman. Um, there's a a, a baby face cut of, of uh, L.A. Re. There's just a bunch of really good. That's just a really good soundtrack yeah and, and, uh, and i didn't bring this up it's not it's not it's not the bodyguard but for my generation and for you know what i like think about man the juice soundtrack oh if you guys haven't listened to the juice soundtrack lately just go I on have. spotify you'll be able to find it pretty easily it has some of the most timely of that time east coast um hip-hop that puts you in the it puts you in the movie. You're inside of it. And every diegetic song that they chose to play coming out of uh, cars and shit. And then the DJ battles uh, that and uh, a little bit eight mile, eight mile really is the white shadow of those type of movies. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I got it. I like it, but it's just very much saunter into somebody's Kung Fu gym and kick the shit out of the Chinese master. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's just, it has a lot of that uh, Tarzan-esque energy to it. And I just can't mm-hmm. quite give it that shit. But Lose Yourself is an all-timer. Oh, Nobody yeah. could debate that. And that last battle scene is an all-timer. As far as filmed, a, a battle that got filmed, it's still the best one. Now, maybe later in the future, we'll get better ones or more realistic turns or whatever. But that's still the best battle scene ever done. And yeah, Lose Yourself is an all-timer. People people doing PRs at the, in the gym listen to Lose Yourself. Um, I got to say that my vote is going to go with what you brought up, though, Ed. Um, and that's Purple Rain. I don't, I, don't <laughs> think, I don't think I could pick anything else. Prince is one of my favorite artists, period. So. Prince has such an eclectic fan base. I, I, I just think that's hilarious that, Ron, you're so into like metal and then you're into the new metal, uh, you know, of the 90s. But Prince stands amongst the pantheon for you. And I like that. I'm telling you, Prince is he may be the greatest guitar player of all time. 
And and I don't think I'm exaggerating. Like I really uh, no, don't. No, not at all. Yeah, I, I I I agree. And he's he's played every single he can play any style of music. He plays something like 10 different instruments. Supposedly he's played all the music all the music that you hear from Prince is him playing those instruments on the album. He gets other people to play with him when he goes on tour, of course, but supposedly he plays every instrument. It's wild to me. He's he's one of the greatest artists of all time. So I guess I'm just going to go with Purple Rain because of that. Well, I'm going to go with Judgment Night. I just wanted to bring that up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Dude, Judgment Night is actually really good. Judgment Night this has a hard... Movie. I don't ass know if I've heard of this. Dude, it's a Judgment, terrible movie. Dude, Judgment Night it's, has a hard-ass soundtrack. Just really quickly, it's about Jeremy Piven and Steven Dorff and some of the other most unlike, unlikable motherfuckers ever. I think, <laughs> wow. I think Cuba Gooding Jr. is in it, too. So and it's, it's like Leary. Yeah, the drug dealer is Dennis Leary, and he runs this urban gang that that, that these guys, Jeremy Piven and his buddies, who are in an RV that's rented by a company or something, they're like, they're like white boys having a chill time going to downtown. Right. And then there's yeah. a traffic jam and they pull off and they get into the switchbacks and the windy Gotham City of it all. And they witness like a murder and get involved in this plot. And then they have to run through this night of terror being chased warrior style by these by this bad gang. And it has a great hip hop of the time soundtrack, a lot of Cypress Hill and shit like that. I'm looking it up right now. I'm going to yeah, read it to you right now. It's actually bonkers who they Onyx. put together. And Pearl Jam and yeah. Iron Onyx and Biohazard. Uh Sir Mix a lot with Mud Honey. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, because it's like Free a culture mama. clash. It's a culture uh, clash type album. Ice yeah. tea with Slayer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's and it's fucking great. Cypress Hill with Pearl Jam and Sonic Youth. Yeah. It's it's insane. I see Dell the funky homo sapien on this list. <laughs> yep. Yes, you do. Oh shit. And Dinosaur I mean, Jr. That's super cool. I, I, I Now I'm kind of intrigued by this movie. Like, just to be clear, the soundtrack was produced by Booyah Tribe, who yeah. I don't really, I don't, I don't know who they are, but. Yeah, I don't either. Good name. They were Good these name. big, um, I, I don't want to say the, I think that they oh, were Samoan. Shit. I think they, they were Samoan. Samoan. You know yeah. what? I take it back. I do know who these guys are. I just looked them mm-hmm. up. That's yep. amazing. The Booyah Tribe. Oh. Fucking musical powerhouses. The fucking also the Lean on Me soundtrack, I do believe, had Welcome to the oh, Jungle yeah. on it. You know what I'm uh, saying? Right. And yeah. they used that while they were panning through the it was such a funny and that was almost an incongruity too, because it was usually they play like a gangster hip hop song, but they played a, a white rock song because only a white rock song of that era could communicate the dissonance that was happening with the youth in this urban school. I thought that was an interesting needle needle drop or interesting uh, pop song as score. So it does look like our top three are kind of going to be what we got: Purple Rain, Boogie Nights, probably Pulp Fiction, Casino. We Casino. brought up already. Yeah. I, you know, I I still my vote might actually go to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh. I mean, the, the songs are era appropriate and they're very, very much being used to like set the stage of that era. But the choices are so weird and out of the box and yet like end up fitting the scenes so well and doing that thing where it's like if the scenes were scored in a certain way, they would play totally different. But he also is able to like take music that should feel uplifting or light and make it very dark and ominous at times. Like, 
I don't know, the the way that movie communicates with its soundtrack is like the point of the movie to me. Um, yeah. And I, I, I'm not really trying to good. convince you guys, but for me, like that soundtrack and the way that it works within its movie is so singular that like it just it's sticking in my head as we've been talking about this whole topic. So that might mm-hmm. be my vote. Ah, it's almost like I think Bill's almost picking Tarantino and I'm picking Scorsese in this in regards to like, or I'm picking, ah, well, we brought up do the right thing. It really made me feel something because it's so good. That soundtrack is that movie and it really punctuates the scenes. It get, It's coming out of radios, literally. And there's something really, really powerful about that stuff and driving the narrative. It's a, I'd say a tie between do the right thing and, and casino, uh, in my mind. Good choices. Oh, this is fun. <laughs> well, dude, I thank you for uh, for suggesting this because I I fought it tooth and nail, and just like everything, I fight tooth and nail. It works out, and uh, that's what you guys are for. All you listeners are here to leave us five star reviews and also <laughs> uh, subscribe. By the way, you can join our Patreon, patreon.com slash the greatest pod. You'll get extra podcasts, art, and all that good stuff over there as well. Uh, I don't we'll do know. It. I think our manscape thing is over. So, yeah, um, I, so, well, yeah, obviously we wouldn't do it if it's over. I don't know if it's over, but they don't get free <laughs> stuff and they haven't responded to my email. Well, I, well, we probably didn't sell any units cause we made fun of them the whole time, but it's all good. Um, <laughs> I'm going to leave this part in. <laughs> okay. Uh, please do join that Patreon. It is a good time as was this podcast. So thank you for listening to. A symphonic, diegetic episode of The Greatest Pod.